Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, September 10th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, uh, it's Monday, which means yesterday you had a new episode of This Week on Broadway. Uh, you guys discussed a number of things, including the late Carol Shelley, the uh, uh, Gingold Theatrical Group's production of Shaw's Heartbreak House, and you had a chance to catch up with Anastasia, which is a show that's been on Broadway for a while, but it's got some new cast members and stuff, and it's been on Broadway for well over a year now. So what did you think of your return trip to is it mostly set in Russia? I haven't seen it. Is it yeah. most Russia, Paris? Paris, Russia, Paris, Russia, Russia, first act, Paris, second act. So what do you think? I really liked it the second time more than I liked it the first time, and the first time I liked it. Wow. So it's just getting stronger, and um, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I think the cast is firing on all cylinders, and it's a great, strong show, and it's ironic because... Uh, the tickets uh, came up suddenly out of nowhere, but we had been talking last week or the week before about how mm-hmm. strong the uh, box office is for Anastasia, and um, the audience is like, it, it, it's such a engaged and excited audience. The audience I, I talked about in This Week on Broadway, I feel is giving a lot of energy back to the performers on stage. What might might be taking that uh, show to the, up to the next level because that's awesome. The audience really, really enjoyed it. Very cool. All right, Matt. Well, uh, before we start, I want to say uh, happy fifty-seven seventy-nine, Ashana Tova. Um, I went to Catholic school. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 All right. First up in the news, Robbie Rizal is making an album. Yeah, James, this is not normally the type of story that le- that we would lead with, but it's Robbie Rizal. He's family, and this is so freaking exciting. As I'm sure listeners know, Robbie has done three sold-out uh, performances of uh, actually two different cabaret shows at Feinstein's 54 Below. I think we've talked about both of them, uh, or both of the shows, all three of the performances here on Broadway Radio with Robbie, and now he is looking to do it again and to make an album out of the songs from Inside My Locker show. So like he did as the producer for Jessica Vosk's Incredible Wild and Free album, which I've talked about a number of times as well, Robbie has launched a Kickstarter. He is looking to raise $17,500 by October 19th with Kickstarter. Of course, it is all or nothing. But in the first six hours, um, actually, let's say seven hours by the time I wrote this, he's already up to refresh 3,261 bucks. Pretty impressive. Some of those bucks are mine because I've already uh, contributed as well. There are a number of levels that people can donate at to get everything from a physical physical copy of the CD signed or unsigned, your name in the liner notes to tickets to the concert that's being recorded. Up to, and I highly recommend this one, the uh, $5,000, yep, $5,000 level to be an executive producer on the album. So if you've got, you know, 5K sitting around, do this. You, you, you could spend it in a lot worse ways. Of course, I, after saying that, I would never tell anyone what to do with their money. But if you have any self-respect or love for all things good, fun, and creative in the world, you should donate to the Kickstarter. Just saying, you know, could be worse. <laughs> so uh Robbie is uh kicking Starmite's butt right now. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Yeah. We were talking about it on this week on Broadway. Uh the Starmite's Kickstarter might have uh kick stopped. So uh <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before, but I'm so using that. <laughs> so uh yeah. 
and uh, Robbie is family. So uh, if you don't donate to the family, expect a phone call from me and Matt. All right. That's where your horse head in the bed reference would have come in very well. Ah, yes. I'll have to cut that out of the one from last week and put it in here. (laughs) All right. uh, What do we have in this week's theatrical schedule? Okay, James, before we get started on what's coming up yesterday, we do want to mention that the second stage Broadway premiere of Young Jean Lee's Straight White Men closed at Broadway's Helen Hayes Theater on Sunday. Congratulations to everyone involved with that show. Now on to what's happening this coming week. First up, the North American premiere production of Connor McPherson's Girl from the North Country will begin performances at the Public Theater on Tuesday. This musical features the music and lyrics by Bob Dylan and stars Mark Kudish, Mar Winningham, Caitlin Houlihan, Todd Almond, Stephen Bogardis, Sidney James Harcourt, and more. And will run through December 9th off-Broadway, and then, I predict, will transfer to Broadway in the spring. Mark it down. Also on Tuesday, the world premiere of the musical adaptation of Tootsie will begin performances at Chicago's Cadillac Palace Theater, where it will run through October 14th, ahead of a Broadway transfer to the Marquee Theater, beginning performances on March 29th. The show stars Santino Fontana, Lily Cooper, Julie Halston, Michael McGraw, Reg Rogers, Sarah Stiles, John Bellman, and more. Back in New York, on Wednesday, the MCC New York premiere of Jen Silverman's show, Collective Rage, A Play in Five Bettys, will officially open, having already extended through October 7th. Starring Dana Delaney, Leah Delaria, Adina Verson, Anavia Fagne, and Shantae Wayans, the show introduces five very different women, all named Betty, in a play that, quote, invites us all to be a little braver, live a little louder, laugh a little harder, and unleash your inner Betty. Really excited to see the reviews on that one. That sounds really fun. Uh, Then on Friday, there are two world premiere musicals officially opening out of town. First, though not chronologically, the Huey Lewis and the News musical, The Heart of Rock and Roll, will open at San Diego's Old Globe. And then, actually earlier in the day, I'm assuming, Pamela's first musical at Two River Theater in New Jersey. The Heart of Rock and Roll stars Matt Doyle, Katie Rose Clark, Patrice Covington, Paige Foray, F. Michael Haney, Lindsay Nicole Chambers, and more, and is scheduled to run through October 21st. And James, I really hope this one is good because I want this to come to Broadway just because Huey Lewis's music is so fun and so happy. I feel like we could use that. Um, And I love these people in in this cast. But anyway, out of New Jersey, the long delayed, decades delayed premiere of Pamela's first musical uh, will officially open on Friday as well. As we've talked about before, this got delayed uh, a long time ago because two of the show's creators passed away before it had an official production. Has a book by the late Pulitzer Prize and Tony winner Wendy Wasserstein. And now Tony winner Christopher Durang is, is assisting as well. Music by the late Tony winner Cy Coleman and lyrics by Tony winner David Zippel. The show stars Carolee Carmelo, Andrea Burns, Howard McGillan, Nick Searley, Sarah McKinley Austin as Pamela and more. And is directed and choreographed by 10-time Tony nominee Graziella Danielle. The show is based on a 19- 1996 children's book, also by Wasserstein, about Pamela's first trip to see a Broadway musical, and the show was slated to run through October 7th. And finally, on Sunday, where three Broadway musicals will officially close, Carousel at the Imperial, SpongeBob SquarePants at the Palace, and Getting the Band Back Together at the Belasco. So far, we only know that Ain't Too Proud will move into the Imperial in the spring, and reportedly billions of dollars worth of renovations will happen at the Palace. No official word on what could move into the Belasco, since James and I were both wrong about uh, Be More Chill going in there, or if something short-term will take over the Imperial before the Temptations move in. 
Um, what if in the Belasco, uh, you and I will get a carousel revival there? <laughs> With a different director? <laughs> With a, say, let's say a more traditional carousel. <laughs> same yeah. cast. Same well, cast, just to, yeah. That would I mean, be fun. Loved the cast. Loved the cast. Let me be clear here. Loved the cast. Not so much a fan Okay, Matt, what else we have in other news? <laughs> All right, breaking right before we started recording, on the heels of a new report from Ronan Farrow and The New Yorker, CBS CEO Les Moonves has resigned. As we've talked about before, it's not likely to impact the Tony's place on CBS, at least through the current contract, which was recently uh, renewed. But James, I know you have doubts as to whether the ceremony will be on network TV when that contract expires, whenever that is, or maybe they'll even, uh, uh, you know, buy it out or something. I predict that the Tony Awards have three to five years left on CBS. Ouch. That's it. Done. I think the contract will be bought out or buried or gotten out of somehow. There's got to be an out, and I don't think that with less gone at CBS, I do not foresee the Tonys on CBS. And that's I, that sucks in a lot of reasons because we want this to be on network TV. But man, I don't love the way that they produce it. So I wouldn't mind if it was on like PBS or something. But so here's my thought. Yeah. Um, and we might have to pause here so you can pull up the information because I meant to ask you this earlier. Um, do you know how many tickets uh, were sold on Broadway last year? It appears that the attendance total reached 13,792,614 people. All right. So just for round numbers here, let's say there's a $1 Tony Award fee on every ticket. Mm, it's $14 million. Um, and you take that $14 million and produce it at Radio City Music Hall and stream it worldwide for free. I like where you're going with that. I I don't know that I like it being only online for a lot of reasons because our the demographics of Broadway patronage tend to be older. So let PBS pick it up for free. Yes. Then that I would I would think I, I yeah, I understand exactly. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I don't want PBS to be picking up a picking up the bill here. But Fair. I want to figure out how to make it uh, work financially because people have got to get paid that produce the show. Absolutely. And they're, and Radio City's got to be, you know, the, the, the work's got to be done. So I, I don't know how much money it costs to do um, $13, $14 million. That's just the starting point, I guess. But if we had a $1 Tony Award fee on all tickets, we could make it available globally to anybody who wants to – Get it OTA or over the air or online for free, but I don't think you can charge people to watch the show uh, the way that no. CBS is charging people online to watch it. Yeah, that's a weird thing. They, what they do every year is they put the performances and different parts of the stuff or parts of the show on YouTube for like a month yeah. or two months or whatever, and then take it down, and then you've got to pay unless you you know find some yeah. bootleg thing, and then CBS takes it down. But I, you know, I think that's a creative idea. I don't know uh, all of the details of how much it it costs to to do that, um, how much the the wing puts in, how much the Broadway League puts in. I also, you know, I said this to you earlier. 
uh, well, we, we, when this first uh, got announced about Moonves, is I don't know how much it costs, like I said, so I'm stating that now. But I would imagine that the ratings that it gets on a Sunday night in the beginning of uh, June, in the beginning of summer, they're probably not horrible review or uh, return um, ratings, sorry, compared to what they would be doing on a normal night. Now, granted, it costs a lot more to produce that, so they're not getting as big of a return. But the, the thing about the Tony's ratings has always been that they appeal to a higher socioeconomic demographic, meaning that advertisers will be more likely to spend money on that program. So I'm not 100 percent sure that it is as much of a loss as we think it is because the ratings aren't great compared to like, you know, Big Bang Theory or something else on CBS. Um, so it might have a little bit more value just because more high end items can advertise. But it's a, it's I don't know that I love the idea of it not being on network TV somewhere. Um, and I obviously that's well out of the range of something that I can control. But I just think having that commercial in front of the widest audience possible is a big deal for Broadway. I absolutely I agree, but I I don't think that uh, any of the major networks going to step up to do it. I think that uh, the the way in which it has been done in the past uh, does not make financial sense for a network to step up and do it. Well, I, I will say this: Les Moonves often talked about the fact that he started his career at wanting to be a theatrical writer. I, I think he was a, maybe even a musical theater major in college, um, but. That also reminds me of someone over at another network who has a lot of deep theatrical roots, who has invested a lot of money in doing theatrical programming, and that's Bob Greenblatt over at NBC. Uh, again, you seem to think that it's not economically viable, but when you're a network that has committed to doing one, maybe even two theatrically related productions a year, it might be be an interesting investment for NBC uh, because of their live things and and maybe they find a way to make it a little bit more of a commercial for those things. But who knows? Hopefully this is something that we don't have to talk about and it stays on CBS for many years, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on, not in the immediate aftermath of the Moonves res resignation, but definitely more so moving forward. If only there were some sort of... Uh... Uh, say trillion dollar company who is uh, interested in original programming that you know uh, you know might have been doing some sort of audible type of thing. Anyway, so they'd have to start paying their uh, warehouse workers a livable wage first. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Next up in the news, Letitia Wright to lead Denai Guerrero's The Convert in London. Yes, this last week we got news that made my little nerd heart very happy as Letitia Wright will star in the upcoming London production of The Convert written by Denai Guerrero. Why that makes me so excited is because Wright plays Shuri, the younger sister and technology expert to King T'Challa and Marvel's Black Panther, while Guerrero plays Okoye, the leader of Wakanda's all-female special forces, the, the Dora Milaje. So they are uh, co-stars in the Black Panther movie and two of the most fun parts of that film, which I absolutely adore. Letitia Wright gets all of these one-liners, while Denai Guerrero's facial expressions are some of the best things. There's a video online about her reactions, facial reactions to other people. 
it's amazing. Anyway, the show will begin performances at the Young Vic on December 7th. Wright is unbridled joy and happiness in Black Panther. And while Guerrero's story about an African refugee just before the turn of the 20th century who finds herself working for a devout Catholic priest is probably not going to have as many one-liners as Shuri had in the film, I have no doubt that Wright will be wonderful. Uh, and James, as we are recording, the second night of the Creative Arts Emmys are being held. And so far, I'm going to hit refresh here. By my count, it looks like Jesus Christ Superstar Live has won one, two, three, four, five so far. And I might be a little bit delayed. Uh, everything from outstanding production design, uh, lighting design and lighting direction, outstanding sound mixing, outstanding live variety special and outstanding technical direction, camera work, video control. If I'm doing this correctly, outstanding live variety special should mean that the producers, which included Andrew Lloyd Webber and John Legend, get Emmys. And again, this is all happening while we're recording, so I haven't had a chance to check that. But if I'm thinking about this correctly, that means that John Legend is now an Emmy winner as well as a Tony, Oscar, and Grammy winner, so he should be an EGOT winner now. So uh, there you go. The uh, production will be up for other awards at the 70th annual Emmys a week from tonight, Monday, September 17th, including legend Sarah Bareilles and Brandon Victor Dixon in acting categories for a limited series or movie. Wow. That's oh, actually, up. hold on. Hold on. I yeah. just DKC and O&M just sent out a press release that Andrew Lloyd Webber has achieved EGOT status. Um, they probably don't rep. Uh, John Legend, but I believe he has as well. But ALW, now an EGOT winner. Oh, it says fellow Englishman John Goodgood, Audrey Hepburn, and now Tim Rice and John Legend, who both received Emmy tonight. There you Jesus go. Christ. Yeah. So DKC O&M. Breaking news. Very nice. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for kicking off your week with us. And uh, Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow.